Escape from Plan A. Today, anyone with an internet connection can inspire millions with a single sentence or a single image. That gives extraordinary power to those who use it to do good, to march for equality, to reignite the movement against sexual harassment, to rally around the things they care about and the people they want to be there for. But it also empowers those who would seek to do harm. When everyone has a voice, some raise their voices in hatred. When everyone can share, some share lies. And when everyone can organize, some organize against the things we value the most. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A. Um, I'm your uh, first-time host, uh, Philip, uh, here filling in for Oxford. Um, and today we're doing a pretty interesting special episode. Um, let me introduce my roundtable of uh, very familiar faces or voices. Um, we got Mark. Hello, everybody. And we've got Jess. Hello. And also John. What's up? And so um, I'm just going to jump in here and do a little bit of Oxford condo housekeeping before we start. Um, if you guys are uh, fans of the pod, enjoy the pod, first time listening, third time listening, 10th time listening, please subscribe and rate us five stars in iTunes if you haven't had a chance yet. Um, we're also available, I think, on Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of other platforms, Stitcher, etc. Um, we love hearing from you folks, so if you want to email us um, you know, after this episode, um, you can get us at uh, editor.planamag at gmail.com. Um, okay, so today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to actually um, do what is the first and possibly a series of uh, podcasts on uh, tech, technology. Um, so, you know, on Plan A, we talk a lot about race and gender, and we also touch on other areas of uh, influence in society, like, you know, media and politics. Um, and it's actually a, a bit of a wonder we haven't really forayed into the topic of tech um, given how much of an influence tech has over our lives. And also the fact that uh, on Plan A, we actually have a number of techies in the team, um, the four of us here. Um, and, you know, technology is, is generally a pretty big, you know, influential area for Asian Americans. You know, we're, we're pretty highly represented in the workforce in tech. Um, there's always a lot of shenanigans going around uh, around the world um, in tech, you know, especially in Asia these days, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about. And uh, aside from Teen's article, um, the iPhone 10. Uh, Apple's ideology of American techno exceptionalism um, on our website, planetbag.com. Um, we haven't really kind of weighed in on the topic of tech in earnest. And today we're kind of starting that off, um, kicking that off with a, a very uh, you know, general discussion about our experiences um, working in the tech industry and just like existing in the tech industry as techies. Um, and just, we're just going to share some experiences and, and you know, kind of glamour and horror stories uh, about you know, what we've done in the industry and kind of the recent going-ons in this space. Um, so I, I want to start off just by getting everyone around the room to um, give us a bit of a kind of a background in, you know, like your history, getting into the tech industry and kind of your current role, what you're up to, what you've done before. Um, Jess, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I came to tech kind of in a roundabout way. Um, it's not, it was not actually my first... Uh, not what I set out to do in college. Uh, so I studied mechanical engineering, bioengineering um, in college and grad school. Uh, and then uh, just one thing led to another. And this was just the space that I found myself in. Uh, I love it. I, I'm very comfortable in it. I am a big fan. 
Um, all of the uh, all of the downsides notwithstanding, I'm still uh, I'm still pretty passionate about being in technology, and I find it a very exciting time and place to be in this field with this skill set at this time. Sweet. And and if could I ask like if you weren't actually planning on getting into tech, like what was your original plan? Uh, I spent a long time in college as a pre med actually, so uh, I did. Oh, really? Yeah, so I majored in mechanical. So I'm acting. Experience. I'm acting surprised, but I, I definitely knew that about you. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I mean, I've had I've had I've worn quite a few hats actually. Um, so I was pre med, and I was you know I took the MCAT and everything, so I was all oh, set wow. to oh, go. Wow, okay. um, yeah, uh, just something kind of held me back. I thought I'd you know before you know committing the next like. 10 to 15 years of my life, depending on specialty to this one career, I kind of wanted to uh, take a couple of years, go to grad school, they work a little, um, you know, before like going back in and not coming up for air for the next decade and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then once I did that, I started not being so enthused about the field, not, not, you know, the field of, or the practice of medicine itself. I I think I would have found that extremely fulfilling, but the uh, demands on your time, your life, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I didn't like the lifestyle requirements. Um, I didn't like where the industry as a whole seemed to be headed. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm based in the U.S. as we as we all know, the healthcare system blows. Um, so I think I would have had a tough time finding, like, navigating an ethical uh, route for myself in that industry um, that still left me sane at the end of the day. Um, interesting yeah so and, was there and, was there a particular like was there like a particular like fuck it moment where you're like no i'm just gonna not do this anymore i'm giving up on on med school um i, I think there was a se- there were a series of like holy shit this is not okay uh moments for me that i <laughs> that at the time i kind of uh just rationalized away um it's mm. it's things like seeing you know seeing surge. I worked under a surgeon for quite a long time. Uh, I was mechanical engineering, and my uh, specialty was actually biomedical device engineering. So things like anesthetic machines, EKGs, MRIs, cool. things like that. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, so in the course of doing that, I came. I I worked on a lot of teams that had doctors on them. You know, that's just and then yeah. seeing what seeing what kind of lives they led and the kind of toll it took on them personally. Um, and the kind of, I feel like the kind of emergent personality uh, and mindset that they had to kind of adopt to survive and thrive in a pretty, pretty brutal uh, workplace. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, to me, that was just, just like, I, I, I can't do that. I, I am a very lazy person. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I, I'm just not cut out for this. Uh, so I mean, that's I kind like of crazy, that. right? Because like, it's not like it's like being being an entrepreneur in tech is not a, a, a place for lazy people, and you've definitely thrived. So that's kind of uh, funny to hear that you didn't really want to do it in in medicine, but you're happy to do it in in tech. See, like like in medicine, um, it's a really bad place to be lazy because like there's a person's life on the line here. That's true. Um, in entrepreneurship, yeah. apps to send dick pics around. Yeah. And, you know, I have met doctors who were like, yeah, I find this super fun. And I, you know, this is like, actually like, this is like a video game. I'm like, dude, you're elbow deep in a person's <laughs> chest. I, you're, I, I'm glad you're enjoying this, but this is kind of fucked up. 
Um, I didn't want to be that person. I feel like you, to be, and, and I was, I was keen on actually going into surgery, um, myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just watching kind of that mindset that, that kind of had to take, and I get it. If you're a surgeon and you are elbow deep in someone's chest cavity, um, it's actually not a great thing to be like, oh, shit, this is someone's grandfather, someone's husband. You know, you have to be focused right. on, you, it, you kind of have to depersonalize, uh, this, this job. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, if I had decided to just go head down and say, fuck it, I'm doing this. I, I, I'm pretty sure that I would have found a lot of meaning in it, but from the outside looking in, it was like, I'm not sure I want to become that kind of person. Um, Got at the it. same time, okay. like, like tech was, tech was, uh, uh, it was an exciting field. You could kind of navigate your own path. Um, I happened to kind of fall into statistics, uh, but, I mm-hmm. really liked I really liked that aspect. So I was kind of riding that wave of data science, machine learning, right when it was uh, starting to become a real thing. So it was uh, it was profitable, mm. it was exciting, it was really it felt like being on the frontier of being of something really uh, something really forward looking. Uh, and the term and the lifestyle demands were they were hard, right? The hours are long. There's a lot of demands on your time and energy. But at the same time, like mm-hmm. I could work from home if I wanted to. I can, uh, I could, I could, I could shape the uh, constraints of my life with a little bit more freedom than if I had gone into mm-hmm. medicine. So that was that was the appeal. Got it. Um, okay. And I, I did cool. find myself circuitously coming back to healthcare in very roundabout ways. Just given that background, I was uh, I worked uh, for a major healthcare provider doing a lot of analytics, uh, machine learning, mm. and. Uh, and projection modeling. So um, yes, and, a, so, yeah. and I'm sure you're gonna have a you're gonna have a lot of a uh, fun war stories to share from that from that age as well. So yeah, uh, cool. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yep. So that's that's me. Yeah. So let's cool. Let's let's uh, let's do you, Mark. Uh, sure. Um, I guess uh, you know I'll be sort of the least techie of the techies on here because I'm not a data scientist i'm not a programmer or anything like that um but i do work in the realm of technology uh, more Mm -hmm. on the business analysis project management um side of of that world um you know sort of similar to to jess uh i entered college thinking um i was going to be a a, like a a scientist i entered with an idea that i was going to be a biochemistry major and work in a lab someday and and that kind of thing. And I think I realized like halfway through my undergraduate education that I, you know, even though I could, you know, get through the coursework, uh, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be the next uh, big star or, or, you know, I wasn't going to make the big discovery or, you know, I'd be a serviceable scientist, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I wasn't, I don't know. I, I had I had big ideas of what I wanted to do when I was like 19. So I decided, you know, like, instead of going to school for however long it takes to get a PhD, um, let me try to do something that's a little more practical. Like I could, you know, get a get a four year degree and jump right into the workforce uh, and you know make a living and be on my own and feel like I'm you know, a functioning member of society. So I decided I'd get a computer information systems degree 
and uh, mm-hmm. with a with a, a minor in uh, in uh, business. So that's that's how I sort of got into the the techie or you know technology realm. Um, I haven't ever really worked for a, an explicitly technology company like Google or Facebook or you know stuff like that. Um, but you know, technology is a, a, a vital ro- a part of any organization. <laughs> so, uh, I've always, you know, I've worked for some fairly large financial institutions and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, so that's how I, I'm sort of in the technology realm. Got it. Yeah. And actually I, I, w- I just want to say like, despite the fact that you're not like a traditional, you know, software engineer or right. like, you know, UX designer, or whatever kind of tech role kind of guy. It, these these roles are actually super important because there's so many of these roles. They're not even supporting roles. Sometimes they're kind of like key roles. Like in my mm-hmm. company, you know, the, the sales team, the analyst teams are actually the leaders in the company uh, in terms of you know growing value as opposed to the engineers uh, per se. So like mm-hmm. super super important to have that perspective too. Um, especially because I think some listeners are kind of keen on understanding like, hey, how could I get into this industry if I'm not in there already? You know, not everyone is necessarily a programmer. So Right, right. Um, I mean, yeah, like uh, I work with programmers, you know, every day of my, of my professional career uh, and, and I feel very mm-hmm. close to them. Um, so in my role, I'm sort of in between both like sort of the frontline business sales side uh, and, the, and the engineering sort of, you know, uh, uh, you know, that that part of the organization uh and i i have honestly you know i think there are some bas that will shade more towards the business um and have that sympathy there i've always in my you know my career you know had more sympathy or shaded more towards the the engineering uh because i feel like there's always that sense that they're sort of taken for granted and and told to do stuff and not listen to and i've always tried to (laughs) And I've always tried to just like stick up for them because they're they're asked to do so much with so little um, a lot of times in in non tech companies right uh, and right. blamed for a lot of things <laughs> so you know it, it, it's if it, it, yeah like you, like you said Philip like if, if it's something if you want to get into technology but you either don't want to or feel like you don't have the aptitude for programming per se but you want to be close to it i think business analysis uh is is a great you know great role and and a great job because an organization always needs someone who can sort of speak both languages yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna predict right now that when we get into the part of the pod where we talk about like terrible war stories you're going to be the most upbeat one because like maybe as a non-programmer you haven't seen as much terrible shit as we have probably not so, not, not directly that's, that's my prediction not directly prediction. but i've definitely had my uh <laughs> i've had my moments yeah sheriff fires um jong you you've had an interesting um career kind of prior to tech you actually made your way into tech and uh mm-hmm. uh you know, kind of atypical manner um, compared to like folks like me who like did a typical degree. Um, what, what's your story? Uh, yeah, so I I studied psychology in undergrad um, because you know they tell you to study what you're interested in. That was a that was bad advice, but I took it. And uh, I mean, I I mean, don't get me wrong, I lo- I like psychology, but it's it is uh, notoriously hard to find an undergrad job in that. Um, I had a chip on my shoulder. I found one anyway. I worked in clinical research. For a couple of years. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I got super jaded on that industry. 
started my own business, went into um, producing events, uh, not independently, but as a rigger and lighting technician. And uh, when I was, uh, basically I started working in San Francisco and I would do a lot of tech conferences like Oracle World or Salesforce, uh, Crunch Tech mm-hmm. conferences, things like that. And I, I noticed that I was really interested in what people were talking about, right? Like I would, I would finish a 14 hour shift and I'd want to stay and listen to these talks. So I thought, Hey, there's something here. I've always been technically minded. I was building, you know, websites on GeoCities when I was a little kid. Uh, I took APCS. So I'm not a foreigner to computer science or software engineering in general, web development in general. Um, but uh, I was encouraged to check out a um, to to check out coding boot camps as a possible entry into becoming an mm-hmm. engineer, and I was introduced to some uh, engineers that had come out of App Academy and Hack Reactor. And as I talked to them, you know, it was it was pretty clear like this is this is real. This is something that can happen. Uh, and so I did my homework. I prepared. I went into a uh, hack reactor, which is now part of Galvanize. Shout out to HR73. Um, <laughs> and uh, graduated, got a job. Wait, is that like your, is that I, like your, your, uh, your cohort? Like 1973 graduates of uh, hack reactor or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have cohorts and uh, we're HR73. Oh, the 73rd one, right? Not 1973. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, got there's it. actually okay. a big gap between like 50s and anyway. That doesn't matter, but uh, I yeah I've I joined a startup actually, which is actually kind of the perfect place for me. Um, we work in the event space, so we do ticketing for live events, and it's kind of cool how uh, parts of my career have kind of come into play there, right? Like working in production has informed um, at least an understanding of our business and our industry. I've yet to see it really bear fruit in the engineering domain, but you know it's still there. And then having uh, been an entrepreneur myself, I understand sort of what the needs and demands of a of smaller organization are, and I feel comfortable working under pressure in an ambiguous uh, with ambiguous direction or you know lots of things up in the air, having to wear lots of hats. It's it's very fun mm-hmm. and exciting. Um, yeah, so I mean, you know, I. I have to say it's a lot of fun working in tech, uh, as Jess was saying. It's very exciting. You feel, you you know, I'm not doing data sciences or uh, machine learning or anything, but still, in a way, it is where a lot of the fun stuff happens. And um, I think for that alone, I value my career transition. Uh, it's also kind of, you know, actually, I really liked, I had a lot of fun working in events, uh, producing events. I was driving forklifts and basically climbing on structures for a living. I got to see some really cool shit, uh, be in some really cool places, but it couldn't be, it, I would say it's the polar opposite to my job now. You know, I have to be physically present. I'm working, uh, you know, I rely on my, on my body to do my job. Yeah. And, um, there's no working from home. You know, you, take gigs as they come uh, tech on the other hand yeah you can work from home your hours are super flexible uh, you get lots of privileges and perks 
it's um, quite a different world. And uh, I think it can be difficult. It was actually, it was difficult for me even to understand just how different of a life some people have. Uh, it, life in terms of work life or work life balance or kind of what their day to day experiences are. Um, yeah, uh, it's a, uh, it's been a wild ride so far. Yeah, very different kind of hands-on work, right? Like some people, do you think of tech as kind of hands-on? You know, not not in the sense that like you're like literally lifting stuff, but you are building big things potentially, especially if you're a programmer. Um, mm-hmm. But a very different kind of hands-on than like working as a rigger, right? Like, uh, you know, building like lighting fixtures and 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 sets and whatnot. It's a very different kind of thing. So it um, is it is different. Uh, I I wouldn't really consider it hands-on, but I mean, yeah, technically my hands are on the keyboard. Uh, there's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a different form of problem solving, I find. Yeah. Uh, usually I would say my old job in terms of problem solving is a lot more like working on legacy code, except that code cannot change. So you can't change the building height. You can't change the, mm-hmm. the gaps between each beam. So in that sense, uh, the problem solving is different in, in software engineering, you have some of the, you know, of course, you're going to have some of the same constraints, but it, the, your world, your environment, so to speak, is, uh, much more malleable, right? You can add things, take things out. Uh, right. You know, if, if we don't have a piece of hardware on site, we can't just import the library. We, we right, either have right, to right. go and get that or, uh, <laughs> find, you know, get creative and find something that we can use on site. Yeah. That's definitely a lot of the wizardry that, that comes into, uh, software, building software, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I guess uh, super, super quickly about myself uh, before we, we jump into the first big topic. Um, so I, I uh, had a much more traditional route getting into, um, you know, the world of tech. Um, I went to school in Canada um, at the University of Waterloo, which is kind of like the, some people call it like the MIT of Canada. It's uh, one of the best best known schools um, for computer science and engineering. Um, if you're in the tech industry, if you're not in the tech industry, you've definitely never heard of this school before. But if you are, it's 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 pretty well known because um, we we send grads kind of all over the world. Um, and in this program, we actually um, have an interesting um, kind of system called co-op system, where you actually spend kind of uh, every four months changing between being in class and being, you know, at an internship, basically. Oh, that's pretty right? cool. So yeah, so you actually spend it's actually a five-year program. You get no summers off, right? But instead of like you know, having the summers off, like trying to find a crappy, you know, retail job or something. Um, I, I actually end up working at like different tech companies, right, throughout throughout my time, right? I didn't really miss out on on uh, what my friends uh, were doing when they had their summers off. Um, and so I had a chance to work at, you, you actually end up leaving with like a f- six terms worth of, uh, so so two years worth of uh, industry, industry experience when you're done. Um, so I worked everywhere from like small, really small tech uh, companies, a small startup twice, um, up to uh, larger tech companies. I was, I was at Microsoft, uh, Sony, and Google in my last term uh, at Waterloo. And that transitioned into a full-time job. So after that, I was uh, full-time at Google as a software engineer, um, and then later transitioned to be a, a UX designer at Google for a total of five years. Um, and I, but I always had this kind of startup itch, right? Because like my very first um, kind of uh, co-op slash internship term uh, with Waterloo was uh, at a small startup and it kind of gave me this itch of like wanting to work at a small company where I could like build a lot of it from scratch myself and you know have much more responsibilities over the tech stack and the product and so on 
And uh, eventually I ended up uh, starting a, a startup um, with uh, some friends of mine from, from college, actually, um, which has kind of blossomed into, a, you know, still a small startup, um, but, you know, a lot bigger than, than the three co-founders back in the day uh, where I'm still working today. Been doing that for the last um, three years, um, finally getting some good traction uh, in, in the industry, some, some good business coming in, um, some, some, you know, we fundraised, uh, gone through kind of all the hurdles of a earlier stage startup. Um, so yeah, I really had a chance to see um, tech from both the kind of like, you know, tech crunch startup, like, you know, Silicon Valley-ish startup world uh, up to the big tech companies like Microsoft and, and Google. Um, so yeah, seen, seen quite a bit of it, uh, not all of it, but, but quite a bit of it. Um, so actually, I wanted to just kind of rewind a little bit and talk about just, just for a little bit longer, a very specific part of like getting into tech, right, which is like, mm -hmm. How did you get into tech? Like, you know, what, what was schooling like and, and education like for tech? And like, how did you actually land that very first tech job? Like, was it a breakthrough? Was it something that like, you know, got handed to you? Or like in my case, kind of like you got walked through um, through a program. Kind of wanted to get a sense for, for um, you know, wh what did you guys do in school? Um, so, so Jess, you, you went to MIT, right? Yes, sir, I did. But that was for med for pre-med? That was not actually for like um, the stuff you did in tech. The tech stuff, did you get into, into that yourself or did you actually have some kind of formal education around? Um, uh, uh, well, I mean, there's a, I mean, I studied mechanical engineering. So there's a huge, you know, computer science component to that. Um, right. So when I was there, you know, I learned Scheme, um, C++, uh, Python, you know, good stuff. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. So I already had the background to kind of transition uh, into into that. Uh, in grad school, I studied uh, biostatistics and epidemiology. Um, okay. So that added some, you know, that added some math muscle to all of that. Um, so I came out of that whole experience with a pretty solid, like, data science, uh, like the foundations for that. Mm, um, right. So that's that's kind of what I've been building off of. But I mean, I've worn a lot of hats uh, in grad school. Um, I was involved in a, a little two-person startup. Uh, we built we built some things and we managed to sell uh, sell one of them. Um, so that was exciting. Um, so it was that ex that early experience plus you know a a, a, a kind of a not technically formal like computer science education but you know enough of a, yeah. an actual technical background that kind of it was it was a pretty seamless um move into tech so i think my first formal job in that space uh was uh through you know it, through the my social network so it was a friend of a friend who uh was hiring and they uh, they recommended me and it was uh it was just sort of that's just how that went Got it. Yeah. So you, you kind of like you kind of like get, got in through your network. It wasn't necessarily through like job postings or whatever, but but you had all the right skills to to make it in. Yeah, idea. and I've never actually uh, I've never formally like applied for a job. It's it's kind of interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was. Kind of, do you even have uh, like I, a resume? Like, is that? Is that I, a I, mean, thing I do. Um, I kind of even have a LinkedIn, but it's super it's super out of date, and I don't have everything on it. Um. So it's it's all been uh, like through through my network. Um, one thing though was I never particularly cared to uh, work for the big uh, like the the Fang companies, um, right? But I ended up working alongside like 
I ended up working with them quite a bit, like in a subcontracting role or in a, uh, in, you know, as part of a team that was like selling something to them, like being acquired in the process of being acquired, things like that. Right, right. Um, it's never been a particular concern of mine to be to be working in a in a uh, in a big company and do you know career progression the formal way in that space. Um, it's always been my goal to uh, uh, to be an entrepreneur. Cool, got it. Okay. Um, and what, what what just the just also kind of on that topic of like first gig, like what was that first startup like? Because I, th- I think you've gone through a few different kind of startup ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess. So you're talking about the first uh, position I took where I was getting a salary, right? Uh, well, actually, I was, talking, I was thinking more like the first time you kind of broke out on your on your own in this case and like went to do your own thing, like your own startup. Oh, okay. I mean, that was in grad school. So that was uh, me and a buddy in, uh, in, in my program. And uh, we, we had the idea for coming up with a, like a way to match, uh, to do color matching on, uh, on pictures. To be able to like oh, do cool. hex codes and actually uh, like upload upload a picture and then get uh, get like find out if that picture is elsewhere on the web and also do uh, a very primitive like like similar image search. So this is like a very very oh, wow. rudimentary like uh, Google Images it's, thing. It's it was like a, yeah, re- mm. and then it's we like ended a up selling Google image search. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that was just something. Uh, I mean, the story for that was like uh, we were just done being catfished, right? Like this, <laughs> oh, there you like go, yeah. on social media or something. Be like, is this really this person? You know, and the, so you just take that profile <laughs> picture and run it through, and you're like, yeah, that's BS, right? That's that's a Japanese wow. like soap opera star or something, Some you know, like something, right? Yeah. So I, I wish there were more noble, like like you know, uh, origin story, but that literally was it. We were just done being catfished. Um, so that was that, and that ended up getting sold um, to a local uh, to a local company. Um, I, I don't think anything ever happened with it, um, and it wasn't for a ton of money either. Oh, we can get into that more later, like in a, advice mm. for budding entrepreneurs. Um, so that was kind of the four. And once you have that experience under your belt, I feel like opportunities kind of come your way. Um, it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to uh, present yourself as a, you know a professional withstanding. Um, and I, I'm very grateful to have had that experience because I feel like it's made things a little easier for me in a lot of ways. When you say it makes it easier, do you mean like, is it just like having that on kind of your CV or is it more like the confidence that comes with having like fucking soda startup, like, you know, in, in your early days kind of thing? Uh, both. Um, I think having had that experience, um, uh, relatively early in, in a career, uh, it gave me a, a confidence boost. Like, okay, yeah, I didn't study computer science. Um, I technically, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally versed in the ins and outs of like software engineering. Um, you know, all of that. Uh, but still, uh, I've proven that I can. I have, I can. I have the creativity to think up uh, solutions to a problem and uh, design it, create it, implement, and produce a viable product that provides value is a value to someone out there sweet we really I, I really have to start uh sorry stop starting with jess because she's seems like she sets the bar super high <laughs> for the rest, <laughs> that's okay the rest that's of us. totally cool yeah totally awesome yeah very badass um <laughs> mark why don't we we talk about your uh your first job in like a, a um at a technical company how did you get into that first first gig um 
you know, my, my path was, was pretty, um, conventional. You know, I, I went to school, I, I went, you know, I was in that computer information systems degree, uh, program. Um, you know, I got my BS, <laughs> uh, the bachelor of yes. science. Um, that's right. And, um, my school had a, a really, really good, uh, um, like professional help program, you know, like counselors or people like a whole office that would help you, um, you know, land interviews and, and help you with your resume mm-hmm. and, and everything. And, uh, the school also has a, a pretty strong alumni network just in, in, yeah. you know, the tri-state area. So, um, it was super easy. Like, I think I had one interview <laughs> and I got the job. And, Are you kidding? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, um, I, I don't know, like I've been lucky or, uh, it's just, I guess a skill I might have where, um, I'm a pretty good interviewer. Uh, and I've yeah. never, I've never really had to interview maybe more than like three or four places and, and I'll, I'll, I'll land, a, a, I'll land a job. So, um, I count myself lucky because you hear the nice. horror stories of people who, um, you know, have a similar background as me or, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm like particularly talented or smart or whatever. It's just that, mm-hmm. you know, you hear these horror stories of people who, um, you know, go on hundreds, like, you know, dozens and dozens of interviews and they just can't yeah. land a gig. And, um, so I count myself lucky and fortunate that, um, I've been able, to, uh, you know, I, I've been able to, to sort of not go through that experience. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was super, um, you know, that one, that first job, it was super, uh, you, you know, it wasn't easy, but it was super smooth. And then, um, you know, I, you go on, you go on websites, um, you know, if you, you know someone and they, they say there's a job and you apply. Um, so it's just sort of been through, it's not been quite as informal as, uh, as, as Jess, but, um, you know, it's. I don't. I don't think it was anything too, too uh, uh, you know, unorthodox. What's What's the secret? Like, how do you? Are you just like super charismatic? Like, how, how do you like do? <laughs> well, one you guys have met me. Get... I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if I'm well, super I mean, you're, charismatic. You're extremely. You're like definitely more, way more friendly and way more personable than like let's say a typical software engineer, right? But yeah, you, you know, the stereotypes. But uh, um, yeah, is, you know, is that what it is? I, well, I'm not, I'm not looking, you know, I'm not applying for engineering jobs, but, uh, maybe, sure. maybe I'm just a good talker. <laughs> but, <Soft skills> matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, matter, but, they matter. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I'm just a good talker. And, and because, uh, a huge part of being a business analyst is just talking to people like, uh, right. It, a huge part of my job is just going to meetings or, uh, one-on-one and, um, listening and being able to explain ideas and processes and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, come up with ideas and solve problems. So maybe I'm just, you know, I, I have an ability to communicate uh, and, uh, you know, get along with people. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I never get nervous. Like, I know a lot of people get super duper nervous uh, to interview yeah. um, because they feel like it's going to be an interrogation. Um and I, you know, I've never felt that way. It's more of like an excitement, and maybe that's just mm-hmm. myself psyching myself out. But um, yeah, like uh, I just see it as like an opportunity to to talk, and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so it's just magic, basically. Yeah, just magic. <laughs> yeah. 
So, uh, so John, uh, your situation is kind of interesting too, right? Because I think the one of the big things about coding boot camps is that people are always kind of concerned about like, oh, can you actually get a job afterwards? Yeah. You know, what's it like? A lot of them talk a lot of talk about, you know, handholding you through the process of finding that mm -hmm. first job. Mm -hmm. What was it like for you? Um, so I had the same fears, of course, going into it. Uh, definitely, you know, as I said, though, getting to meet people who have gone through boot camps uh, previously did give me some some additional confidence. Um, it made mm -hmm. it it made it concrete, made it real, right? Um, Hack Reactor at the time I entered the program was advertising a ninety eight percent placement rate, so that definitely mm -hmm. helped. Uh, that was not true, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, it got me. Wait, you, mean the they, you mean they you mean they lied about the number? Or you mean it's not true. <laughs> Yeah, they, well, I don't know if they lied about the number, but um, uh, just we'll, we'll leave it at there is a lot of wiggle room for reporting, right? Yeah, so, um, yeah. you know, I'm not sure how they reached that figure, but uh, I, I definitely not 98% of us. Um, okay. Yeah, there's some, ca there's some caveats about our uh, cohort, but anyway, um, yeah, so... It was a tough, I would say a lot of people are worried about the boot camp itself. You know, are they going to be able to handle the hours? Are they going mm. to be able to graduate? Uh, for me, the job search was actually the hardest part. Um, oh, yeah. It, yeah, you know, you have to be very self-motivated. You have to have tenacity. You, okay. It is, it is a numbers game. So um, yeah. I think... Uh, some people got jobs really early on, you know, but they typically, there were a couple people in my cohort that had computer science degrees. So of course, oh, okay. you know, they're going to find jobs very quickly. Uh, right. For most of us though, it is a grind. And um, it took me six months to find a job. A lot of people took contracts before that. Uh, some people found full-time work before that as well. I did the digital equivalent of like walking with a, you know, pack resumes and going door to door, you know, um, yeah, I, like yeah. why can uh, I think hacker news was a site. They have like a, who's hiring thread every month. I would just start from the beginning and any job that I thought I had a shot at, I would apply. Mm -hmm. Uh, it got yeah. to the point where when a new month's, uh, worth of openings came out, I would skip a lot of them cause I already applied to them. That got a little scary. Um, mm. I got a couple, uh, couple on sites, I ended up going all the way to San Jose to, you know, work for a half day with them. Uh, didn't get the offer. Found uh, I went to go interview with a startup that was being operated out of this guy's garage. Uh, that was literally, literally. Jeez, that's old <laughs> yeah. school. It still happens. It still happens. It still happens. Old school. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, the garage was in, um, like, right next to Stanford. So it's not like this guy, oh, okay. was, you know, he wasn't like slumming it up, but yeah, he was still, it was, he like, was, a, still... It was like a, a thousand square foot garage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was bigger than my apartment in San Francisco. Right. Um, That's right. It, uh, it was his mom's garage actually, but, uh, oh, really? anyway, you know, so yeah, so it was, it was kind of interesting. I, um, uh, got to interview, I didn't actually apply to any of the big companies. I, I didn't, uh, I wasn't sure I was ready for that. Having come from sort of a freelancing background, mm. um, I wasn't super comfortable with the idea of, of joining a large organization. What What uh, were your concerns? Uh, I think like work culture, and okay. um, I I 
kind of felt, you know, rightly or wrongly, I assume that in a larger corporation or larger organization, you end up developing a specialty. And I, at the time, I was kind of curious about just exploring the entire stack, uh, which I thought I would have a better shot at doing at a uh, startup, which I did, uh, which I mm-hmm. do. And um, yeah, ev- eventually uh, I interviewed at the company that I work at now. Um, I also worked for them for a half day. And a week later, I got an offer. It's kind of history ever since. I, uh, it's been, I, I enjoy it very much there. I work primarily on our consumer products. I get a prototype and deliver experimental features and, and new products. Uh, I work very closely with head of product and design. Uh, it's cool. Sweet, did, yeah. Did, um, sorry, just quick. Did uh, did you have like? Did you um? Were you concerned about like uh the the um, uh the code like the code academy or the sort of like the um, like the stigma from how you got your like computer science oh, background? Like, yeah. Because I, I I've heard that like there's some sort of um prejudice against people who go to these like boot camps. There, there is. Um, I think. Well, I, it really depends, to tell you the truth. Uh, so I think, if, especially at the time, I think coding boot camps are more accepted now. Okay. Uh, this was about two years ago, so I would say this is kind of on the verge of it becoming a well-known phenomenon or our known entity. Uh, but yeah, at the time, if you were to ask your average hiring manager if you would be interested in a coding boot camp graduate, They'd probably tell mm-hmm. you no, because the the quality of boot camps um, varies wildly. If you were to tell them, uh, well, how about an App Academy grad or a Hack Reactor grad? They might think differently, because those were two of the most um, successful programs. Successful in terms of delivering graduates, producing graduates that could hop in and start delivering right away Hmm. and uh, but that's if they had worked with a bootcamp grad previously right otherwise right uh, i think just to be safe they would err on the side of caution and say no that being said uh, there were some companies that did not have any bootcamp grads or no previous experience working with one uh, but they gave me a shot anyway because my skill set matched up they really needed someone who knows Mm mm-hmm yeah, but generally pessimistic, and I think uh, actually, yeah, one of the one of the primary uh, I won't say primary, but a very common um, decision that people struggle with when they first graduate a boot camp is whether or not to leave the boot camp on their resume. Uh, some people mm, say, oh, interesting. yeah, some people say leave it on there because then it raises. I mean, it depends on your background, I suppose. But if you came from, yeah. uh, uh, one guy I think was uh, working as a cook, and so right. to to <laughs> apply for a software engineering job, somebody's going to ask him like, "Well, what's what's you, what's up there?" Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. if you come from a mechanical engineering background like Jess, or if you have a CS, I mean, if you have a CS background, that's it's a no brainer. Well, um, honestly, but, though, yeah. let, let me let me let me just say that like, if if I were a hiring manager, and I've I've been involved with hiring people and stuff like that, both on business side and on the um, technology side, like engineers, um, software engineers. If, if I saw someone who had like a, a computer science degree 
And then I also saw they went to like a software like boot like a a, a boot camp. Uh huh. That might actually be a negative for me. Really? Because I'm like, because you have a CS study hard. Because I'd say, well, yeah, I'd be like, why do you need to go to a boot camp if you already have a computer science degree? Like, I think that's a myth. Yeah, I think it's a pretty common um, uh, conception out there. Like, Like. but it actually makes total sense. Like, if you have a CS degree and let's say you've been out of the field for a little while, like, hey, mm-hmm. like, computer science is still, it's not a complete, like, uh, curriculum yet, right? Oh, I completely, um, I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, dynamic. my immediate, yeah, my immediate reaction yeah. would be that. And then, obviously, I would go into, like, what's the timing of that? Like, you know, maybe it was just a skill set that they didn't pick up in school and they're, like, picking it up now in the boot camp or whatever. But I'm just saying that I think that some more, you know some people might be like, why do you need to do that if you already had a degree? But yeah, you're yeah, you're right, sense. Jess. I mean, it, it makes but it's, like, ma- it, it's a yeah, yeah it's a common misconception. For skill set for yeah. languages, you know, things like systems, things like that. Um, it it makes sense yeah. to to go back in. Uh, like I gotta say, like uh, computer science at MIT. Um, I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't major in it, so you know, I I wouldn't be able to like. But the stuff that I did learn, it was so academic, um, mm. and like it's it wasn't really. It was geared towards teaching you how to program. It wasn't really teaching you how to like art, like architect something, like think big sure. picture. Yeah. It. Um, and you know, I learned very uh, like academic languages in a very academic way doing very academic problem solving so to do like even though it was the same language um once i started actually programming in it i kind of had to relearn all of that um to adapt it to Mm. the current demands of what i had to do um so it it actually makes complete and and if you like graduated from computer in computer science and like like i don't know like 1990 or two, like heck like <laughs> even like five ten years that's you're already pretty out of date for what's going on on right. the ground now that, that's true right and, and i was just yeah. sort of trying to uh defend jong's honor by like, <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. it's fine i have a job <laughs> I, once you get that i know you have a job i just <laughs> yeah but it does I, it I'm does gonna, bear gonna... like saying um like like mechanical engineering, it's kind of one of those evergreen uh, majors. Like the laws of physics aren't going to change anytime soon. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but computer science is probably going to change a lot in like the next well, two, three well, years. Well, it depends, right? Because computer, like computer science is like a theoretical, like uh, academic yeah. endeavor, like algorithms and That's data true. structures. Those things have fundamentally not changed that much mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. X decades. But the kind of frameworks and the languages you build on them and also the things you can produce the techniques like for example these days like machine learning is pretty popular those things have evolved and those things have gone through kind of different trends and different kind mm-hmm. of iterations of, of right. uh, different technologies right yeah. so i think yeah. there is a bit of like practicalness to it which i think boot camps do a good job of encapsulating and there's a lot of academic and like computer science stuff like the actual um, theory right which I don't know if they touch on that a lot. I think some of them actually have computer science kind of subcourses within the boot camps. But computer science is meant to really cover that theory. Um, and what's is, tricky that here is, is that, like, what from my experience, like the big tech companies like Google, Amazon, those two, uh, Facebook, they're not- notorious for having um, interview questions that cover a lot more of the theory, right, mixed in with practical kind of applications. So you have to be able to program, obviously, you have to be able to write 
C++, JavaScript, you know, Python, whatever, and solve a problem. But the problem themselves have an underlying solution that requires in-depth knowledge of, mm. you know, data structures like hash tables and red black trees and like, you know, all these things. Right, right. right. So it's it's a bit of both. And I think what's kind of interesting about the whole like, you know, boot camp, um, not controversy, but this whole like kind of like debate over uh, whether or not it's easy to get a job or not, or if it's like a black mark or whatever, is that it really shows the kind of um, uh, elitism and hypocrisy you know, two two topics that we like to talk about mm. on Planet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it, within the tech industry, right? Because we're talking about an industry where they really believe themselves to be extremely merit, uh, merit, merit. What's the word for it? Merit meritocratic. Meritocratic, right? And um, it's it's kind of not in this particular instance of hiring for like a a, a job, like these entry level jobs, because. You're, you're, you're seeing these grads who come up with extremely practical skills and also like pretty, pretty beefy portfolios. Like they make you build, you know, apps and, and demos that are a good starting point for a, for a tech portfolio. But the companies that actually end up hiring people are actually still not looking at the merit of your skill as a programmer. They're still looking for whether or not you have a fucking Stanford degree or CS right. degree. Well, right? could, do, you, do you think that's um, connected to the idea we talk about a lot that there's pushback on the sort of uh, tradeification or the tradecraft push to make like tech workers sort of just sort of uh, like cra- grunts, like, basically. Yeah, not grunts, but like instead of being, um, I don't know the, the right word. Like instead of being like uh, uh, like a like a, a lawyer or like a, a mm-hmm. doctor, which is sort of like you're a profession and you're a, right. um, uh, you know, you're part of this like elite guild of 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 skilled workers um do you think there's pushback to that to the fact that like if if someone can go to a a boot camp uh it's sort of cheapened cheapens it yeah i think that's a big part of the resentment that causes people to to kind of like push back against the idea of hiring folks or allowing folks from from boot camps to succeed right because you want to defend the fact that like you have a bachelor's of computer science or whatever. Right. Is, right? Or That's even a master's from, or yeah. a it's, doctor. We have a culture, like as much as nerd culture gets bashed uh, in like pop culture, um, mm-hmm. we have a long tradition in the States of treating engineering as kind of a priesthood. Uh, I think it dates right. back to, yeah. you know, the Cold War, you know, the space race. Um, and these were, you know, feats of engineering, right? And it's it's a very... Uh, they they are they are given reverence, so it's almost um, it's kind of like capitalist priesthood, um, in a sense, and it's very tightly like it's gate kept very hard. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, Mark, the distinction you're you're looking for is the difference between a technician and an engineer. Yes, um, yes, yes. You know, like the someone who can between, like you know, change a, a transformer civil engineer versus right. like a plumber. Yeah. Right. So right, I think that's right. that's what the whole debate about uh, like boot camps. That's what that hinges on. Um, yeah, and and there is some kind of stratification of, of these roles, right? Because there are some roles where like you really do have to be like a, a, a engineering thinker and an architectural thinker because you're trying to design these really large, complicated systems, right? Like building mm-hmm. a distributed system is no fucking joke. Like it's super right. complicated. Right, mm-hmm. building functional, efficient machine learning systems is super, super hard stuff, and it can re- it can require a degree, like a master's degree or a PhD in some cases, depending on what you're trying to solve. 
Um, and I think there's some some amount of like defense happening around those roles because they're afraid of everything being kind of you know brought down to a level where you could spend 11 weeks doing it, like doing it kind of you know in in classes and then coming out and building the same thing that you would build with like a four degree, four, sorry, four year bachelor's degree plus two year master's plus four year PhD. Did you mean to say like a four right. degree black belt in computer science? That's right. Yeah, like that. <laughs> like a like a yeah like a show to. I- Done yeah. or whatever, Those people like. are untouchable. <laughs> like they walk into a room, you yeah, <laughs> and they know it too. Um, right. But it's 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 pretty real. Like like the rise of the boot camps. Uh, the reason they exist is that they're uh, like Silicon Valley gate kept a little too hard for its own good. Uh, like a demand for engineers for people you know bodies on the ground to do this work outstrips supply. Um, and this is partly due to the incredible upward pressure to keep, you know, standards high for people who were allowed into the ranks. Um, this is where, you know, H1Bs come in. This is where, you know, a lot of adjunct, uh, the adjunct workers of Silicon Valley kind of come into play. Um, so these are, they're very strong economic, uh, drivers for, um, both the need for, uh, boot camps and the people that come out of them. And also the resistance to that, uh, because it's it's too, it's honestly to people on the inside, it's to this priesthood's benefit to keep the numbers down. It, it acts like an informal guild. The fewer people there are, yeah. the higher, yeah. the yeah. more money there is. You know, the, the higher the prestige is. Um, so it's it's pretty materialistic concerns at the end of the day. People talk about you know this is oh no I'm defending you know the purity of the fe-, like bullshit. You're protecting yourself. <laughs> no, right? No, it's um, exactly exactly right. Like you, you know, the the tech workers and the software engineers uh, created this environment where they were very highly valued, and they started getting paid like just even right out of four year college uh, a ton of money. And it's just like, wait a minute. I think the companies were like, wait a minute. Do we really need someone? You know, do we need to pay people that much to for what you're doing? And I think some of them started to figure out that they didn't, or they could get you know someone at an H one B visa. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And I think there's like a there's protecting the guild. It's almost like a unit. It's like a union that like has gotten so powerful that no they can't fire anybody, and you know everyone gets paid a ton, but they're not enough union members to do the work. So so what's the you know what what's the industry you know what, how are they going to get the work done? So it's just yeah, a so very funny situation. H one Bs or you know uh, yeah. I so this is get, this are, is the proliferation yeah. of are the these H1B are these I mean are these are these H1B workers you know presumably from you know maybe less well off countries making a lot less money when they come over to the states cuz yeah. I, I know tons of H1B folks yeah. but they're from Canada right they're from schools like mine and yeah. they're making just as much as as any other you know worker in America but it may be because they're coming from a country that is basically an extension of America to right. some extent I think so, so um in uh, in the states there is a noticeable gap uh, it's significant. It's uh, I. Oh yeah. Uh, I think for starting positions, yeah. I think the gap is about twenty thousand uh, dollars between yeah. what an entry level, you know, uh, front end engineer, um, you know, from the states versus an H one B. Right. And they they get away with that because you know they're tied to this company. They can't exactly compete on the mm-hmm. open market for a better job, right. and they are beholden to this company. Um. So it's a uh, it's. Uh, yeah, that's, so this is the ecosystem we're all we're all living in, for better or for worse. Okay, that's that's definitely non-zero. But I have to say, coming from Canada, that I don't I don't really have a lot of sympathy for that because 
Canada, specifically Toronto, the city I'm in right now, is kind of be is kind of being used by Silicon Valley and just American tech companies in general as a place to get extremely cheap labor that's mm. just as good, if not better, than the labor in the states. And like yeah. I'm experiencing this right now because my company is hiring. Like I'm literally a hiring manager trying to get engineers in our team, and I'm hiring in New York City as well as Toronto. And in New York City, right, which I think people are being paid a lot, just like in San Francisco because of the high standard mm-hmm. of living.、Mm-hmm. Um, I had to pay someone twice, literally twice as much, right? Yeah.、Um, for the same kind of skill level of, of software engineer as someone in Toronto, living in downtown Toronto. Right, and Toronto's、wow. not a super cheap place to live either. Right, but we're talking the differences like、wow. like、uh, like eighty k Canadian versus one hundred and twenty plus k American for the same kind of skill level. And the crazy thing is that like、wow. I can't I can't find talent in New York City that's actually even comparable to the talent I'm finding in Toronto. In fact, we've hired our first two engineers in Toronto because they're just better, right? But they're we have to,、yeah. we can pay them a lot less because they're not in San Francisco or New York City or whatever. So you know the difference there is a lot more than twenty k USD.、Um, so it's interesting to see like you know we're Canada,、uh, Toronto at least is almost like that that like you know、uh, sweatshop that people that that these companies、um, send send off to to get work done right these like you know it's kind of like offshoring but it's a little bit closer to to American shores. It's so like all the perks、yeah. of offshoring、um, and all the benefits of not offshoring at the same time. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Huh, okay.、Wow. So this is this is this is good. We're talking we're talking shit about the tech industry now, which is what I want <laughs> in this episode. So I wanted to kind of shift the the direction over a little bit to this、uh, this question here I had around like how have how has the recent kind of news around the technology industry kind of changed your perception in the last you know year or so or more recently you know around kind of your job your company. Your industry and kind of what you're doing and how it affects things, right? And so there's there's this、um, this Ringer、um, uh, article that I linked from just last month, actually about a month ago,、um, called uh, Stanford. Uh, what's it called here? It's called、um, the ethical dilemma facing Silicon Valley's next generation, right? It's about like Stanford students、um, and how they're kind of having a hard time now dealing with whether or not they should take that job with like a Google or an Uber or a Facebook because of all the scandals and all the kind of controversies going on. Has that? Have you guys come across any of that, like either in your immediate work, or has that kind of made you think a little bit differently about the the industry that we're in?、Um, I guess I'll start.、Um, you know, being having worked in financial institutions <laughs> for a long time,、um, and on the technology side of it,、uh, you know, the financial industry is not seen in a good light, and it hasn't been for a while. <laughs> so you know the new news and <laughs> technology hasn't really affected me、uh, like acutely, but、um, you know, working in an industry that no one really loves,、uh, and sort of you know the fact that like I'm a dirty commie,、um, <laughs> it you know yeah you know it does sort of weigh in your mind of like you know I, I'm I'm working in this organization,、um, I don't necessarily agree with sort of what it stands for. But at the same time, you know the people I work with are nice, good people,、um, and、yeah. you know we're just sort of trying to get through the day and and support our families.、Um, and you know I I think it's a good thing in general that、um, these industries like finance used to be,、um, and like technology used to be much more in the recent past. Um, that we're seen as like the pinnacle of achievement, like it's where everyone wa- who's who is something. If you want to be something,、um, 
should go and work are sort of, um, you know, are being not not like targeted unnecessarily, but people are questioning the, um, you know, sort of questioning just going there because it's where you go. And, um, you know, I think that there's been a lot of ink spilled on um, the loss of talent of people just going into finance because they can make money, but they might have mm-hmm. been like, you know, they could have been a, the great engineer or a great entrepreneur or something like that. And I think there's some of that also uh, thought in tech where people will be like, I'm just going to go into a startup that reinvents, you know, vending machines. Like, what, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to a startup and, and, and we're going to do another dating app or something. Right. And people are thinking like, is this the best use of our best and brightest talent is to go you know into kinda, these sort of tech companies? So I think it's a good thing that, that we're like, thinking about that. That, that, I would that love to make has... money doing vending machines. I hate talking to cashiers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just throw that out there as my dirty tech. Uh, hey, I'm not. <laughs> that's true, but <laughs> no, you, I, you know I, what I, I mean. You. Yeah, I, I so think, I just think yeah, it's a good thing. I, t- I think it's a good thing Valley. that we're questioning it. Yeah, it it's it totally is. Um, I think it's it's a thought process every every person. Uh, every young person on the cusp of starting a career should be should be taking very seriously. Um, at the same time, um, I I feel like tech has become another industry for better or worse. They, they I think mm-hmm. there's still this mythos around it. Like they're still you know scrappy underdogs you know saving the world. You know there's still the uh, uh-huh. uh, you know there's still a lionization of that scrappy uh, like garage hacker you know, who like cobbles together the next, you know, billion dollar company or something cool. You, you know, that we still like have that kind of impression when we think about tech, but these are massive companies with entrenched interests, uh, a lot of momentum behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this is, we just, we're here at the end of the birth of another industry, the same as, you mm-hmm. know, on the same scale and, uh, uh, as like any like finance, as healthcare, as as anything else, it's deeply mm-hmm. entrenched and it's not going anywhere. Um, no. yeah. So I think if you try to if you're going into it thinking of yourself as the scrappy like startup guy or a hacker or something, um, that's uh, I, I think that you need to be a little more clear headed <laughs> about that. Like Just this stop. is a job like any <laughs> other with the same kind of constraints. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. 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 The, the the messiah complex is going to slowly slowly um burn away right oh like thank god to end of those days <laughs> yeah which, which is so, which I is mean, nice in some ways like and that's not to shame people for doing this either right these are good jobs oh, in, a, yeah. in an increasingly like uncertain social and economic climate if you're lucky enough to get a, a well-paying job uh that gets you you know some amount of stability you know gets you out of debt you know puts you on on track oh, for a comfortable like life um Go be proud it. of that right yeah. um like don't keep yourself like I, I as a society we should be concerned about you know massive intrusions of privacy you know all ethical violations all of that but if you're 22 and just and you're staring down like 80,000 in student debt and you land a job and you're like uh uh and you're like staying up at night like i i don't know i feel yeah, for you <laughs> I think uh, I think the recent news is good in that this is 
uh, a wake up call if we choose to listen to it. You mm, know, uh-huh. tech. The way I see it, tech is technology is an amplifier, right? And mm. um, humans are flawed. We, we like we build the systems, we operate the systems, we use the systems, uh, we design the systems. Any flaw, any human flaw that's that's present uh, is has potential for finding its way into the algorithm or the product or what have you. And um, yeah, this this you know just as you said, this industry is sort of. Um, I would say like the puppy love section is over, right? Like yeah. we're like we're starting to we're starting to see some of the warts and pimples and the, you know the 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 one thing that they do that annoys us that we didn't expect, uh, but we could overlook when we were uh, first just kind of enamored with um, how cool mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. exciting tech can be. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and you then you moved uh, in together and you see them every day and yeah, shit. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they turn out to be a total like, psycho that literally goes through your phone. Yeah, right, That's right. Um, um, and yeah. so we, we have an opportunity here uh, to set the tone and direction for our industry because we don't want to be seen like the finance industry. Um, yeah, you really don't. <laughs> like, and so I, I see it as an opportunity, um, right. but it's not going to fix itself. We have to get real. We have to put our foot down and make some decisions. Yeah, it might limit profitability for Facebook to. Um, to manage their users' privacy better, but the, it really comes down to as a, it's a question of what do we want as a society? What will we stand for as a society? And mm-hmm. ultimately, if we, you know, this is a tall order given the state of things, but if we as a society can come together and decide, you know what, this is not the kind of role we want technology to play in our lives, then uh, we ha- we can make it happen. You know, at the end of the day, computers run. Uh, you know, all the algorithms, but we have the power, you know, we have the finger on the, on the power switch and um, it's, it's up yeah. to us. It's a, it's a hundred percent up to us. So I don't see it as um, like, you know, the tech industry is doomed. I think I see oh, it no, as yeah. the tech industry has to wake up and make some hard decisions. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. I, I think um, one thing that has to change um Unlike other industries, I feel like society kind of bifurcates between people in tech and people not in tech. And what I mean by that is uh, it's strictly set up as a one-way exchange of ideas and technology uh, from Silicon Valley overlords to the general population. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is tech is so embedded in all of our lives. It's not a meaningful distinction. We're actually all involved in this collective endeavor. Right, Silicon Valley yeah, can't support it's itself really without mass buy-in, um, and so it's not. It's the power isn't actually with the overlords. There is a tremendous amount of accountability that they can be held to, uh, and it's literally you know a push of a button away, right, on your phone. Uh, I think people have this tendency to kind of like. I was really surprised. Like you see, you know, you see the Edward Snowden leaks. You hear about privacy violations. Uh, mm. Uh, you know, the Equifax hack, you know, Facebook was uh, Facebook implicated in the 2016 election, um, you know, and not to mention, you know, the internal ugliness, right, sexual assault, racism, all mm. of that. Uh, and I'm always surprised to see people kind of um, shrugging at that. Not not necessarily that they don't care, but it's like, well, what can we do? 
right? Like that's completely right. outside our control. But like, no, you you bought you bought the phone, you paid for that mm-hmm. app, you use the service, and if you're not thinking mm-hmm. critically about it, it becomes like a machine will control you if you don't right. think right. critically about it. Um, right. So it's it's on everyone, whether you're a coder or not. To really think deeply about how you're interfacing with this technology that, you know, people allow it into every part of their lives, right? Like, I have, I know people who are teaching their kids um, how to, you know, to engage with Alexa and Siri, right? (laughs) But if you're not thinking critically about it, are you controlling Alexa or are you letting Alexa dictate to you how you need to interact with it, right? Um, There's a... um, So, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's basically my point. It's um no, it's it's like the tech priesthood is not infallible. It can be brought down. Uh consu- conscientious consumer decisions do have an effect. Uh and it's not a, well, and it's not on you to just blindly accept whatever, you know, if Facebook decides to do some, you know, pull some bullshit on you these uh, with your personal well, data, um it, you have the right to say no, and it's on you to be both informed and conscientious about the actions you take. And we have political power too. I mean, a, a lot of the things that are coming down the pike in terms of like te- that seem like inevitable technology things, like um, automated cars, like uh, dr- cars that drive themselves. Um, we have political power to to be able to regulate that. Like, you're not going to be able to just have that without the the people saying, "Okay, we're going to allow it." And because, and I and I mentioned that because. Um, is, uh, an article came out today that that there's evidence that the algorithms uh, that run sort of the te- the technology uh, the uh, the technology that detects objects for uh, autonomous vehicles is more likely to hit a black person than it is a white person. Right. Holy shit! Yeah. So this, they this kind of bullshit is everywhere. So like- that isn't that isn't just like some sort of like company that was like oh you know uh, some social justice thing no like the the the, per, the the company that is uh that that's writing the software they wanted to test the the, the software and the technology's ability to um uh differentiate tones right of objects the different shades of color and obviously one of the big problems and one of the big things with these vehicles and the promises is that they'll be safer Right. They won't they won't hit as many objects and they'll be able to avoid hitting pedestrians and all that. So they tested it with I guess there's like a, um, a normalized scale of skin tones. That's uh-huh. a, that's like a, a, a standard. So yeah. they actually built they actually tested it to see uh, through all the different skin tones uh, that, that that human beings could have. And through that rigorous analysis that they, it, it failed to detect you know, human shapes, human shaped things with darker skin tones. So, you know, uh, you know, it, it that, but that's see, that's something that like we have, like you're saying, Jess, like that's something we can control and be like, we, that's not good enough. And until you can yeah. prove that that's not going to happen, like we will not politically, like you can vote, you know, you can vote for candidates who are going to be like, we will not let this on the roads until this is fixed. Yeah. So like, that's- you, know, it, you know, we have the power to control that. I mean, we're talking. Um, it's also, to, to be fair, it's we're talking about. Sy- for, uh, sorry, John. Go ahead. Uh, just to be fair, though, we're we're currently discussing systems that are largely um, pitched as benevolent, or you know, th- right. 
Like That's true. What one concern that I think is less, um, you know, no matter how much political power we have, there are certain things that the governments will do regardless of what we vote on. Um, say yes, surveillance, that's true. right? Yes, that's and that's true. that's yeah. one avenue where I think um, I don't know if the onus can really be on the engineers themselves. I mean, Google, you know, there was the walkout at Google. Um, I think another high-profile company had a team that was working on some government project. Uh, I think somebody was working with ICE. I don't know if that was Google. Um, that was Amazon, hey, I think. Amazon, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, as engineers, you can certainly have. Um, some political power in that respect but as your average citizen you really don't have one you don't even know these programs uh, and projects oh yeah exist (laughs) not at all yeah and two your political voice doesn't count for shit if the government decides this is a national security issue that's true and uh, we have to have this technology um and i that's the one place actually i mean that's a pretty big fucking place to be uh, wary and concerned. I have a pretty, I, um, uh-huh. I have a pretty weird theory that just popped into my head after okay. all this discussion. Is like, is it possible that the industry that is going to kind of stop tech from destroying us all mm-hmm. could it possibly be journalism? Could it be what? <laughs> journalism. Journalism. Right? In, this, I, in, in the I sense that we we. We all know we all know about this shit happening. We, we're all fucking aware of like how bad yeah. our phones are for us and shit. Because yeah. every fucking rag out there has to write some think piece about how they're going to raise their kids not using you know with screen time yeah. limitations and stuff. Mm. Like Probably that, the right? EMT factory. Yeah, yes. maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, because because if, if there's the only reason we we talk about the negative aspects of this is because like people become aware of it and then they start to like talk about it and then they write about ah, it I see, and I then see. that becomes mm. like a, a way that that information is disseminated and uh-huh. ironically at the same time technology is also destroying the journalism industry right right, right. so i know it's it's a bit of a yeah a bit of a i, I don't think that's a coincidence too, either um i mean no. journalism has been very key like um you know uh to call out major scandals uh but but I think journalism has been most effective at calling out, you know, internal, uh, like social dynamic issues, um, mm-hmm. you know, like sexual harassment, uh, you know, systematic racism, bias, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, so I think it's been brilliant at that. And I definitely support uh, support more of that. Where it hasn't been so great is um, convincing the public that it needs to care about uh, the actual flaws of tech itself yeah uh, I agree with that. Uh, like nobody really gave too much of a crap about the snowden leaks um equifax was big but we all went back to we all pretended things were right back to normal <laughs> um, yeah yeah i mean Completely people are buying that. smart tvs that record 24 7 off of unencrypted uh and it's unencrypted where's this data going this yeah. is a tv that's right. listening to, to you in your home that knows when you are yeah. in and when you are out, what you are watching, right. everything. Uh, and it's not that I'm necessarily saying like this is this is bad. I think it definitely, at least some part of it is being used for nefarious purposes. But uh, but B, you at least need to know that this is happening and what the implications yeah. are. It has to be a conscious decision that you make as an informed consumer to say, you know what, I'm actually okay with my TV watching me. I would welcome 1984 to live in my could house you? that I pay two thousand dollars for, right? Jess, could you see uh, Faraday cages being like a common installation in new houses? 
Uh, I mean, why not? I would have one. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, why not? Like just, but it's it's like it, it's. So I think uh, just where journalism has failed, it, it utterly is to is, um, and I don't think this is journalism's fault. I think we all want to buy into the myth of tech, and it's sexy, you yeah. know that that big sixty five inch TV that turns on when you say turn on, you know, um, a phone that does the newest thing and has the newest uh, you know gimmick. These are sexy, sexy devices that we all want in our lives and we're willing to overlook quite a bit. And I think people aren't properly educated on, you know, the fundamentals of tech. I think I would really advocate for people at least knowing the fundamentals of like of of coding. You don't necessarily need to know how just there's just such a black hole when it comes to this where that it doesn't exist right. for other kinds of industries. Like you talk about healthcare, everyone's kind of immer- everyone knows at least like generally uh, some number of terms, right? Like people generally know right. what healthcare is about. Tech is this black hole. You talk about finance, people right. kind of understand this is where my money goes. This is, you know, this is I'm going to retire, blah, 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 things like that. Tech, no one gets what the inner workings are. Yeah, tech uh, literacy is They don't know encryption. Is, is really they don't know security. Low. They don't know how yeah, you know. They yeah. don't know what an algorithm is. Um, right. For all people, generally know this is this is literally magic. Um, yeah. No. I, there's, a ter- there's, there's a term. There's a term. There's there's a term I use at work that uh, they think everything gets done because it's automagic. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so a sufficiently you know, advanced like, oh, yeah. thing is indistinguishable from magic. I forget yeah, who yeah, said that quote, but right. it's a it's a common one, but. I mean, that's basically Clark. it. And people aren't curious about it. Um, yeah. People have bought into the consumerism part of tech so much that they have utterly lost any interest in the actual workings of it. Uh, and, and I think this is, this yeah. is critical. People manipulate. I, I, and I think tech manipulates I don't, I don't know, this. I don't know how, how true that is, right? Because like, look at look at John's story, right? Like this whole story about like the rise of uh, tech boot camps and, and more and more folks getting into the industry. I think... There's more appetite for it. I don't think it's fast enough to educate the the population at large, but it is becoming such a such a uh, big part of our lives that it's become a very common, you know, even occupation to get into as well. well we're, yeah, we're a highly I, I definitely see you know, a return to that. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I'd like to see more of that. And I think it should be reflected in uh, basic curriculum. Um, yeah. I, I, I oh, definitely. I think elementary schools yeah. should start with yeah. that early. Because yeah. tech literacy isn't just knowing how to use a device, right? I think when the press and like the the people are like, "Oh, young kids really know technology," I'm like, I don't think they do. I think they know how to use a phone, they know how to use a computer, but would do they like you're saying, just like do they know the different terms? Like, do they know the general principle about how a computer works? Like the difference right. between software, hardware. Yeah. Do they know like the basic, you know, basically how the internet works more than just it's a network of tubes. Like, yeah. they, I don't think they do. And they don't. I, and it's the term digital native gets thrown around. Um, there's this wistfulness around it. Like, oh man, wouldn't it have been great to have, you know, have been raised as a digital native. Uh, in and of itself, it means nothing. Um, like, just on its face, what that means is a generation of kids trained up really well to be good consumers. Yes, uh, a- right. absolutely. And and for uh, anybody so... <laughs> that's for for anybody that's uh, maybe like listening to this or knows people that are like, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. I don't have to. I don't have to learn it. I just need to know how to use it. Um, one of the one of the 
primary motivations for me uh, entering engineering was that I see I see this as a bare minimum to be a full participant in future society, at least you know, yeah. barring some yeah. kind of like World War Three and everything gets destroyed. But if computers <laughs> exist, uh, you this is you know we talk about empowerment all the time. This is fucking empowerment. Like this yeah. is yeah. the ability to understand the the systems at play as well as building your own, right? Like, yes, there's going to be a lot of gatekeepers and there's a lot of data that would be hard to get to, et cetera, what have you. But um, with how accessible, you, you know, you have like machine learning, you have neural network libraries out there. You could go find one and set up a basic neural net in, I mean, depends on your experience, but like within a day, within a week, right? It's much yeah. simpler than trying to start something from your own um out of you know think about all the if you're on the fence think about all the projects like all the crazy ideas that you might have had you could actually make that a reality so yeah. i think it's, it's uh, really important yeah. for uh, you know don't just think of it as like um learning how to do your taxes something that's boring like this is this is something very powerful and something that could be really cool and fun at the same time well John, and, and a lot truly, of this is free uh, a lot of this yeah. is free. It's utterly free. You can download with, yeah. the IDK. Yeah. You can pick up, you know, you can you can start on any language. All the training the documentation will be right there for you. Uh, there's thriving communities dedicated to helping out people who need to have, you know, who have questions. Um, this I mean, is literally access, like the golden yeah. age of information sharing. None of this yeah, requi- yeah. necessarily requires you to sign up and hand over, you know, money and time to do a boot camp. You can just go to Google and say how learn to program or yeah, the, best, know, the best programmers I know, the best programmers I know are self-taught. Like it's, it's totally yeah. true. Yeah. Well, and and it's like crazy. Community. Yeah. It's crazy. Like the amount of computing power you have, we have access now uh, to now that's completely free, like with AWS and other sort of cloud computing um, resources. Like you basically have access to like a supercomputer at any point. To, to do yeah. your thing and it's yeah. like that it's not free that but... well it's not free free but like <laughs> you know it's, it's it's cheap right but i mean this is something that was not available to even people like when, when i was you know you know we're not completely not old but we're not young it's like it, it was only it's only been around for the last like five years or so yeah so no, actually no know, i mean it's... i think there always has been an ethos of uh of information sharing. I think this this is one of the uh, carryovers from the uh, starting days of the tech of tech right. as an industry. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's not an old industry. It very much was, you know, a cobbled together um, scene, right? Literally out of people's garages, and it was literally people who were curious about uh, curious about things, tinkered with it, pushed the boundaries, pushed it a little bit more. And then with a little luck in the right market conditions, boom, you know, trillion dollar industry. And it happened really fast. This isn't an it old did. industry It at really all. did, actually. Yeah. Um, and that, and it, for all we talk about, it's an entrenched industry and all of that. There's still, like, there's still elements of it that still have that spirit. And one of them is to get your foot in the door to at least learn something. Um, it's at your fingertips. And it doesn't cost a dime. You probably already have a computer. You already have a phone. You already have all the actual tools that you need if you were at all curious about it. And I think this is, like John was saying, this is another, just another thing that a competent adult in modern society just needs to know. 
like <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not a hypocrite about this. Like I I think people should oh, know yeah. how their cars work, right? I think people should know how their yeah, toasters yeah. work, right? Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you use it and it's an integral part of your life, you owe it to yourself to learn what it is about. You don't need to be an yeah, expert. What- you do need to Okay, look, like even if something breaks, you should at least have the vocabulary to say what's wrong. Right? right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I think that's just you owe it to yourself to so just to not be controlled by this machine you've allowed into your life. You you've solved the question for me, Jess, because I, I think that's why computer scientists want cars to be more like computers. Because they couldn't understand how the mechanics <laughs> worked in the car. Yeah. So well, like, we're just going to make the make car a computer, software. and now I'll yeah, know it's, why it's they did not a, working. They didn't do a great job <laughs> of that. Like, and I mean, I guess, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm I have, I'm half this. joking. I have a Toyota, <laughs> and I remember a report saying, like, there was somebody who was brought in to do an audit of the Toyota, and the guy oh, was, man, like, holed up for a, a month. pit. And at the end of the day, he's like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. Like, I, I don't awful. know where, I don't know where the state is going. I don't know where it's coming from. Like, I just have no fucking clue. Good luck, guys. And, <laughs> and like, I read that. I'm like, oh, holy shit. And then I bought a Toyota, right? So, like, that's right. <laughs> uh, so I think about that sometimes, but at the same time, like, like, you gotta it do works. what you gotta do. At, at the very least, I'm not under the illusion that, uh, this machine is, you know, God's gift to mankind, right? This is a human endeavor, and it's subject to human error, right? So at the very least, uh, I'm aware of that. Uh, I don't know how it necessarily serves me, but I do think having that awareness does make me a more informed person overall. And if it came to that, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a situation where that would be useful. I don't know. The zombie apocalypse. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, all right, guys, we are running uh, well over an hour and a bit. I thought it'd be kind of fun this time around for uh, in terms of closing remarks instead of just like we had a lot of good, I think, closing thoughts throughout the last 20 minutes or so of chatter. <laughs> um, but maybe we can do something a little bit different. I kind of want to hear about, um, you know, we're all, we're all techies. We're all kind of geeks um, over gadgets and, and whatnot. Um, I kind of want to know what's in, what's in your tech bag these days. Like what are you guys, you know, what's your everyday carry, so to speak? Right. Um, what, what phone are you using? Computer are you on? What what new fun gadget have you had? Um, Mark, I know you're a big purchaser of gadgets. Yeah. What what's been uh, what's been on your your uh, list recently? Um, so I just purchased um, a pair of really nice um, noise canceling Bluetooth headphones. Are these the Sony ones you keep telling me about? Yeah, the Sony WH one thousand XM threes. Oh man, yeah, those are good. And so. Um, they're the first like wireless headset I've had, like noise canceling, uh, and I'm sort of obsessed with them. So you know, I I take them everywhere, and yeah. So that's sort of um, what I'm carrying. Obviously, my phone. Does your phone have a headphone jack? It does. I have a Note Nine. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a dongle joke in there somewhere, but I guess I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't need no dongle. No, you don't need no dongle. John, John how full, about you? I'm a full. I'm a full phone. That's right. Uh, everyday carry. Are we talking about like during the weekday or just like in my personal? Yeah. What are you? What are you? What are you using these days? Like you, you at least rock like a MacBook, right? Because you're you're well, a I mean, software developer. Yeah. So I yeah, I'll carry my I'll carry my uh, work laptop, my MacBook, um, by default. Uh, to and from work, I carry a battery pack. You know, because my phone's. My phone's battery is a uh, pretty old, so it's um, 
running out really easily. Uh, noise canceling headphones. I don't know. I, I keep it light. I have a desk, so anything that I you actually you actually only... keep shit on your desk. You don't you don't like bring it all with you back home kind of thing. No, pair of shoes, some snacks, meds. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sweet. Jess, what's uh, what's new in your gadget bag? Um, so first things first, a like snowdrift of receipts and tissues. Um, <laughs> let's see, <laughs> I have a multi tool, um, some oh, ginger wow. candy, uh, chargers. Oh, oh, cool! All right, yeah. No, I found my USB C charger. That's awesome. Uh, cable. There you <laughs> go. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, headset. Um, yeah, and a laptop. Probably there's probably a couple of pens and a lip and lip balm down there too. Uh, pens pretty crucial. It's not very organized. Yeah, too. pen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. I have a. Curious. I have a blade in like 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 someone gave me like oh yeah you walk around at you know in the dark you know so you should just have this <laughs> so you feel so you're protected but honestly it's so buried i don't think you'd be any use at all you'd be like wait 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 fuck on. yeah just hold hold the fuck on <laughs> hold on um, Dig i have a here wait <laughs> all right, i got it now now you can attack bag me at him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I, I used to i, I, I used to actually take that up I used to carry a pocket knife in my my bag as well. This like really nice. Um, I think it's a uh, Openel brand knife um, oh. that my my cousin got me for Christmas, and it also got buried at the bottom of my my everyday carry bag. And I actually took it twice to the airport and it got flagged <laughs> Dude, by security. Yeah. Oh no! And I was like, yeah. oh shit, that that giant thing. I forgot about that. And yeah, they let so you keep yeah, it. Yeah, that out. happened to me too. Um, like I had this uh, pretty. It was a nice. It was a nice one too. Um. And I also had a set of like diamond tip drill bits, and those look really mean, like really sharp tips. Oh, um, holy and, crap! Like, and TSA just like they were just like, um, what? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you have a diamond <laughs> tip what? drill bits. Yeah. Uh, uh, luckily, like I had my, you know, I had my MIT sweater on. I, I looked kind of frazzled. Uh, it's like, look, I'm like, literally, I took my last final like two hours ago, and I need to get on this plane right now. So I'm really sorry. Um, so <laughs> I they think, let you go. You know, well, they let me keep it, right? <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> but I think like, I'm like, oh, I am, I'm really glad to be a small woman right now. If, if, if yeah, you're like, you, right? a menacing <laughs> yeah, looking dude, I, yeah. I think I would, I don't think I would have made my flight for sure. Yeah. Mark, to answer your question, usually what they make you do is they make you check your bag or check the knife. So I've, had, oh, okay, I've definitely good. had to at one point like leave, go back to my luggage somehow, and but how I did it, but I managed to to check the knife. <laughs> and good, uh, good, yeah. good. Yeah, because like, I remember I had to, like they gave me the option to like ship it, and it was extortionate. Yeah. It cost me like two hundred dollars to ship like like one like like um, like blade and the drill bits. Wow. Ugh. Yeah. No, I just I, I because you know I, I think there was one Christmas like I got some booze and I had put it in my carry on or whatever, and that was flagged <laughs> and like they wouldn't let me like keep it. They're like, we're gonna confiscate this. I'm like, I got it for Christmas, and they're like, we don't care. Like, bah, you, chug it? you chugged it, right? No, yeah, and I was it. and like and I I like yeah I I <laughs> the thought that went through my mind. I'm like, am I gonna chug this liter of whatever it was? And right. was it opened? No, it wasn't opened. Damn, uh, it wasn't even open. So I was like, fuck, man. But I was like, have a good Christmas, you assholes. Oh, you didn't, <laughs> you, uh, 
Nah, you should have at least opened it up and tried it. Yeah, I don't know. I was so oh, frazzled. Well. I was just like, God damn too late it. Now. Yeah. yeah. Too late now. They probably enjoyed it. I forget. It was. It, it might have been like nice vodka, too. It might have been like, I might have been, a, yeah. I think it was vodka. Uh, too bad. Should have yeah. chugged it. You know what? They probably, I know. I should have chugged it and died. It. Oh, no. I'm sure yeah, they did. I mean, like. Yeah. It's the first thing they did. They saw me walk away. Be like, sucker. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Right. How about you, uh, Philip? Uh, oh, I'm, I'm not gonna go through my whole my whole uh, everyday carry. Actually, my, my favorite bag just ripped recently. Uh, oh to, no! To get a new one, but um, yeah, it, it's funny because it's supposed to be like the right size um, for a 13 inch MacBook Pro, which is like the only kind of criteria I have for bags. It's like it's got to carry right. a 13 inch MacBook Pro, um, but apparently the laptop was too heavy and it actually like ripped one of the straps. So kind of kind of upset about that. Yeah, but uh, I do have was this it- MacBook. I, I have a. I'm getting a new, the new uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro um, for work next week, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, I'm kind of sad. I, I'm getting it in space gray, but everybody seems to have space gray when I'm like out like in coffee shops and stuff. So I feel like I <laughs> you want it in, in the like, silver? The, what, yeah, the what's class, the other I color? I should in the silver? classic silver, you know, instead because yeah. it's, uh, it's pink, just a little bit different. Pink, man, pink. Style does matter. Ro- yeah. yeah, rose gold. Rose gold. That's available. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I, I, touch bar or no touch bar? Uh, I think the higher end MacBook Pros uh, always come with a touch bar, so that oh, really? was unavoidable. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually pretty put, excited put for it. Put Pac-Man on it. Put Pac-Man on it. Yeah, one one line Pac-Man, great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> super super easy or super hard, depending on how the ghosts spawn. Right. Um, yeah, so I got that. The other the only other gadget I'm excited about is like I uh, I bought a, a OnePlus 6T, um, my first Chinese. Oh, phone, cool, cool. Uh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, when it came out, nice. and uh, I just love bragging to to Apple fanboys about how it's like half the cost of an uh, iPhone ten. Yeah, and it's like yeah. in a lot of ways like way better. better. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not how you. That's not how you brag to an Apple fanboy, though. What do you, you do? You have to say <laughs> you, you you just look him deep in the eye and be like, you can't have this. I'm sorry, it's oh, too what, exclusive there, like, for your plebeian ass. Or something? Yeah, you don't brag that it's half the cost. You're like it's four times the cost. For half That's the right. specs, uh, yeah. But I but Jess, you like said you're, you're excited. You're excited <laughs> for the new Galaxy Note 10, right? Ooh, I am. Yeah. So you yeah. know, I saw take some all of the that I said about sexy. these horrible spy machines that are selling your data to the NSA uh, and just <laughs> throw it away because I am super excited about the Note 10. <laughs> See, humans are fallible. Yeah, right. it's it's. I, I was a loyal Note user for a very very long time. I started with the Note One, and I used every single oh iteration. Yeah, wow. no, I, I was you crazy. Bought, you about bought this every home. single iteration. Yeah, yeah. Until Holy the one shit. that exploded, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. I didn't. I didn't get my hands on that one. Um, like honestly, even after I heard the stories, I was like, I still kind of. They all didn't explode. You're like, maybe maybe I'll get a discount. Yeah. Maybe we discounted. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, I was. I literally. Like, I do like, probabilities pretty well. I think I'll be okay. Yeah. yeah. And then they pulled in. I was really sad. And that's when I um and I, like my phone. My last uh, phone happened to break. Um. So I didn't see anything inspiring in the lineup. So that's when I jumped ship to go to to go to an iPhone. But um. But I'm super okay. excited about the ten. You'll be Sweet. back. I will be. Sweet. That that pencil is everything. Oh yeah, it's I don't even use it that much, but like when I have the um opportunity to use it, it's super cool. 
Oh, you should. You should. Well, you need to. If you if you get mad at something like a tweet or something, and it comes with a picture, <laughs> it's really therapeutic. You take that screenshot, you take that pencil, and you draw a dick. That's on right. It. You just scribble all over it. <laughs> yeah, draw, it's draw really therapeutic. Over those yeah. profiles. That's right. Mm-hmm. Sweet. All right, guys. I think that's a really awesome place for us to stop. Um, you know, we, we there's so much more to talk about. This this may up, end up becoming an interesting series where we, we go over a lot of other topics. You know, um, some things I thought about was like we can talk more about like career advice, uh, racism in tech, um, specifically around startups because I know a, a bunch of us have either done startups or are working at them right now or want to get into them. Um, we can even do Plan A phone reviews. I don't know. We have a lot of opinions about gadgets and stuff. That's sure. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. Laptops, hopefully the phones. B- yeah, we got opinions. All that shit. So hopefully this is the uh, the first episode in a, a series of uh, tech apps. Uh, thank you, Mark, Jess, and Jong for joining me here. And I'll see you guys on the next one. Can I make a quick pitch? Yes, please. So uh, since, you know, this is probably the start of a series on this subject. So uh-huh. I just want to turn it over back to you guys, the audience. So if you had a, a topic you kind of wanted us to talk about, go into a little more depth on in particular, you know, sh- tell us. Email us. Our Twitter handles will be in the pod write-up. Uh, so when you know, we're we're happy to talk. We'd love to hear from you guys what you want what you want to hear. Yep. Awesome. Good place and to that's end. It. Cool. Thanks all. Sweet. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Escape from Plan A. Uh, we're hoping that it's the beginning of a series on technology. There are a lot of different topics for us to cover. Um, this is just the beginning. Um, and as we said in the beginning of the of the episode. Um, if you like us, please rate us, um, sub- uh, subscribe to us, follow us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, um, SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, uh, all the places where um, you can find podcasts. And um, please leave us a comment. Um, we love getting them. And also, um, if you want to send something a little longer, uh, email us. Our email address is editor.planamag at gmail.com. Uh, also, you know, tweet at us, etc. So again, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Developers, 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 developers.